encourage you to come to the night of worship. I'm amazed at the commitment that the world has to music that's so empty. Uh, last night we went and had dinner at the House of Blues and camped outside there are literally dozens of people camping, waiting, not for the concert that happened last night with Nick Jonas, but for the concert that's happening tonight. I said, oh, when do the tickets go on sale? They said, no, we already have tickets. This is just so we can get in the front row seats. Well, I don't know if they've been in there before, but there's no seats in that place. (laughs) They're camping 48 hours. I don't know how long they're out there, in the cold. I'd seen that on the news but I'd never seen it in person. It's, you ought to see it sometime. It's moving to see the commitment that these young people have to music, to a song, to a star, to somebody that's never going to know their name. And we have an opportunity to come and worship the one who knows our name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 10. Uh, this is, today's a New Year's sermon for us as individuals. Next Sunday will be another one for us as a congregation. And so let's take off here. Matthew 10, beginning with verse 27. Whatever I tell you in the light, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. He knows how many hairs we have, amen? But the hairs are numbered. Hair number 666, hair number 667. In some people's case, it's a changing thing. (laughs) Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. I think we could safely say, do not fear those who could kill the economy. Do not fear those who could kill your nation. Do not fear those who would burn a church down. Do not fear nothing. That's not, that's a double negative. But in the Greek, double negative doesn't cancel it out. It makes it stronger. And in slang, that's the same, same way. This is a symbol from the children's ministry of a hazard. Of a watch out. Of a... It means be careful. It means uh, wet pain or keep off the grass or don't drive on the asphalt yet. How many like our parking lot? Thank you, Lord. I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness in tithes and offerings. Some preachers told us you guys are scaring us by stopping the passing of the plate. We still pass it if it's for something special. But you're scaring us. We would never do offering boxes at the door. But you all have proved them wrong. You don't have to be begged for money. You don't have to be guilted into this offering box that passes. You know, unbelievers see manipulation when they see it. 
uh, please don't take this as slamming churches that do this, but the, the, the deal where you bring your money down to the front, that can be seen as manipulation by unbelievers. You know, if I don't go down there and at least touch that thing, you know, and if they notice all I'm doing is touching, I better put something in there. So, so maybe I'm not going to come back to this church because they, all they want is my money. We want your soul for the kingdom of heaven. Amen. But I want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. If maybe some people aren't giving because the basket isn't passed, but you know, the Bible says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. There's a church not too far from here. Peaster. How many has been to the church at Peaster? They give you before they take every offering and they pass the plate. They give four reasons not to give. If you've got unforgiveness in your heart, don't contaminate this offering with your gift. If you can't do this cheerfully, I mean, there are four strong reasons. By the time he's done, it's like, please, let me give, let me give, let me give. (laughs) It's a symbol of a hazard. What hazard are you facing this year? Some people in this body, the few cases I know of, are facing tough things. If they just rest, it's, it's, it doesn't make it any easier. They're just having to move forward by faith. Hillary Clinton said, faith, fake it till you make it. But I say, faith it till you make it. Amen? We are to rest in the Lord, but we're also to move forward in Him. It may look like death is nearby. The, scowls, the skies may look dark, but the sun is always shining up above. Just ask the airplane pilots. They see blue sky every day. What is your hazard? Remember this promise. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. Do not fear, therefore, verse 31, you are of more value than many sparrows. That's not my sermon. That just came to me during worship. All right, uh, we're going to see a commercial, and while we're looking at this commercial, I'd like for you to look up three other passages. Go to Romans 16, Ephesians 3, and Jude. Jude 1, there's only one chapter in Jude. Romans 16, Ephesians 3, and Jude 1. And while you're looking there, here's a little more information into what uh, the walk through the Bible day is going to be about. Walk Through the Bible Seminars At a Walk Through the Bible Old Testament or New Testament Seminar We walk you through the major people, places, and events of the Bible This is not an in-depth Bible study where we study a particular Bible character or a book of the Bible It's more of a journey, a journey through the Bible To help you do what we all love to do as children Connect the dots I wish we didn't have to call it a seminar, because it's like no other seminar you've ever attended before. It's not a day of long, boring lecture after lecture after lecture. However, it's a day of excitement, group interaction, fun, and most of all, learning. Years ago, a system was developed to help people walk through the Bible to understand it in the most unforgettable way, using something we all use every day, our hands. The hand movements really helped me memorize the Old Testament. And you get kind of a mental picture, a mental map that's always around you. It's enthusiastic and uh, gets people excited about the Bible. It wasn't a 
sit down, be quiet, listen to me, and I'm going to teach you what you need to know. It was a learn with me experience. He really interacts with everybody. Helps me learn more, um, being interactive like that. In the Walk to the Bible Old Testament or New Testament seminar, we teach you 77 hand signs that will help you walk through the Bible in the most unforgettable way. Half the time you're going to be laughing hysterically. On the other half of the time you'll be sitting there just saying, wow, I've never seen that truth before. I would definitely recommend people to go through the walk through the Old Testament or walk through the New Testament or walk through the Bible, the whole thing. you got to do this. This is so exciting. Listen carefully. God wrote a book, a love letter from himself to his people. Through the Walk Through the Bible Seminar, I pray we can ignite a passion for God's Word and God's people. These seminars have been proven from the youngest person to the oldest to bring excitement, fulfillment, and desire for God's Word. Please join us, schedule, promote, and attend a Walk Through the Bible Seminar so you can better understand the love letter God wrote. The Bible. Romans 16. Have you found it yet? Verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone wise through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Interesting sentence, long sentence. Has a parenthetical uh, thoughts in the middle that give strength to the premise of the statement to him who is able to establish you and then he tells us all the things that were established according to the gospel the preaching of jesus the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret since the world began but is now made manifest that's the love of god for the world given through the gift of his son uh it's established by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting god what he's establishing us for is for obedience to the faith. He's established us according to the gospel and all these wonderful things that he lays out here. So we're established according to the gospel and these wonderful things that he's laid out here. But we're also established for obedience to the faith. To God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. In this year, 2010, the purpose of God doesn't change. Oh, no, it's 2010. What are we going to do? Let's impose martial law and cancel the Great Commission. Not going to happen. We are assured that he will establish us to be able to obey the faith. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, Everybody say, for this reason. Ephesians 3.14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, 
to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Huge thought. Verse 20 is where we're going. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. Say all generations. That includes us and our children, our grandchildren, our aunts and our caints and our uncles and our bunkles. Forever and ever, amen. It would have been enough if Paul had written now to him who is able to do that which we ask or think. But he said to him who is able to do all that we ask or think. And yet he goes beyond that and says that he is able to do above all that we ask or think. And yet he ups on that. He is able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. And yet he takes it another superlative. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And the book of Jude, verse 24, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. The verses that we have read here this morning all speak of him who is able. Don't fear him who is able to kill the body, but fear him who is able to destroy you in hell. To him who is able to establish you for walking out in faith to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we could ask or think to him be glory forever and ever to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless. He's able to do it. Let's put our faith in him. Amen. Happy new year, 2010 vision beyond normal. In younger days, my eyes had what is called 2020 vision. Any young people here today with 2020 vision? It means that you can clearly see at 20 feet what is considered normally clearly seen at 20 feet. When you have 2030 vision, it means you can clearly see at 20 feet that which should normally be clearly seen at 30 feet. All right. But in my much younger days, I had what was called 2010 vision. Anybody had that in your younger days? 2015, 2010. It meant that you could clearly see at 20 feet that which is normally clearly seen at 10 feet. It's beyond the norm. I think it's just, you know, really healthy vision. But, you know, medical science establishes a norm. And they establish a norm as 2020 when some people exceed that with with their eyesight. I'd like to spin off of that truth with 
the years for the sake of memory, not just to be cute. We're in the year 2010. Let's have a vision for this year that is beyond the norm. Amen? Does that make sense? In the new year of 2010, let us have spiritual vision that is beyond the mediocrity of the norm. We're not suggesting some some kind of hype, some type of hype or exaggeration here, but rather living above what is acceptable and considered by most in our culture to be normal, resulting in lives that have often fallen short of our God-given potential. Let's go for more than a happy new year. Let's have a more fruitful one. Amen? How to live beyond the norm. There's five things here. It's a simple message, but these five things, I believe, are powerful. First one is leave 2009 behind and move in to 2010. Can you say amen? amen? We can't live in the past, so let's learn what we can from it and move in to 2010. Those who made mistakes should seek forgiveness, make amends, and move in to 2010. Those who've had mistakes or sins committed against them should forgive. And let it go and move in to 2010. Those who made false predictions for 2009 should repent and try to not do that again. (laughs) But not go to the other extreme of embracing hopelessness and despair and move courageously in to 2010. Secondly, declare your independence from the tyranny of other people's opinions. We're talking about the fear of man here. Proverbs 29:25 says the fear of man brings a snare. It's a barrier. It hinders us. It can trap us. It can hold us back. It can rob us. But he who trusts in the Lord shall be safe. We know it's nice to be popular and can be comforted to be accepted by our peers. But is that really why we live and breathe? To be approved? Surely our purpose in this new year should should rise above this man-made gravity that can keep us busy as hamsters in a wheel going nowhere as we move in to 2010. I'm not preaching a limitless form of living here that might be motivating and exciting. You know, no limits! but yet is incorrect and untrue and can leave us feeling ripped off when we realize we do have limitations. We know that all have their limitations, but most of us often live so far below our limitations that we have never discovered the possibilities that God can and wills to bless us with in 2010. Let's push for less limits living that the fear of human disapproval can block us from. Solomon was right when he wrote, the fear of man brings a snare, but those who trust in the Lord shall be safe. It may be okay to enjoy human approval when we have it ever so temporarily, but we should always embrace God's approval because it is long-lasting and gives us a reason to live more abundantly as we move in to 2010. Can I get an amen? amen? Thirdly, face all challenges courageously and live for more than just surviving some would say circle the wagons 
we can just make it through the night. Like that country song, if we can make it to December, I know things are going to be all right come summertime. Just wanting to survive, just barely getting by. That's not God's will for us. Believe for more than just survival. Our world might be changing for the worst in many ways. But if we embrace just getting by us for and no more and surviving, we have centered, we have surrendered to the self-centered call of self-preservation and we will live in mediocrity as we move into 2010. The word mediocre means two things. It has two separate definitions and I'll tell you how they relate. It can mean not very good but not very bad. Mediocre can mean ordinary or average. But it can also mean not good enough or inferior. How can it mean these two different things? Because the former always gives way to the latter. Mediocrity improves nothing. If it's not very good but not very bad, eventually it's going to become inferior. Mediocrity will leave us miserable and ripped off and unhappy and mad at the world. Those who accept mediocrity will eventually go downhill in every area of their life. Now, this one's not easy, but it's the truth. Live for more than just being happy. I just want to be happy. God wants me to be happy. God wants us to be holy. And as we pursue him for holiness, happiness will follow. It's a caboose. Don't make it your engine. Those who work for the railroad will tell you, you don't want to hook your car up to the caboose. You want to hook up to the engine. And the holiness of God is what drives us pursuit of a life that pleases him many jump out of the proverbial frying pan into the fire in pursuit of personal happiness bailing out of their responsibilities and promises because they just want to be happy will often leads to greater unhappiness the pain of remorse is the greatest pain there is i think there are consequences to every decision we make and personal happiness is too short-lived of a reason to make a decision, to carry the weight that it is often allowed. Surely God gives each of us 86,400 seconds every day for more than just being happy. True joy will come when we practice loving him and our fellow man more than ourselves as we move in to 2010. Let's go for loving God and everyone every day this year. How about it? Loving God and everyone this year, eventually, you will be happy. An atheist wrote a song that in the Pentecostal churches I grew up in, we used to sing, and it was this. The time to be happy is now, and the place to be happy is here, and the way to be happy is to make others happy and to have a little heaven down here. Oh, the time. This is a new gate up here or something. I thought, it, I thought it made the point, but anyway. <laughs> Moving right on. Live for more than just preaching a good sermon. Look for opportunities to find solutions. If opportunity ever knocks, it's usually going to hold some kind of problem needing a solution. If opportunity ever comes a knocking, 
It's going to be a holding, some kind of a problem, needing a solution. If opportunities ever open, they will open for those looking for solutions to problems. History's heroes prove this fact to be true every year, over and over and over again. As we live with the 2010 vision, pushing for more than the norm, let's have eyes to see more than just the problems that problems can bring, but for the opportunities they can help reveal. You may not be a Robert Schuller fan. I don't sell his books. But I think the greatest thing he ever wrote was a book entitled Tough Times Never Last, But Tough People Do. And he wrote that book with a dictaphone in hand in a room in the dark and just began to dictate it. And it page after page after page came rolling out of him. And his secretary wrote it out. And, of course, they edited it. And out came the book. And in that book was something I took and have used, you know, some, if you've been to church here for several years, you've probably heard this from time to time. But I have several copies up here if you'd like to have it. It's Six Principles of All Problems. And it's gleaned from his book, Tough Times Never Last. Number one, every human being has problems. You're not the only one. A problem-free life is an illusion that cannot be. Did you know that success does not eliminate problems? In fact, it will many times produce new problems. For example, a church that grows from 20 to 200 will have more problems to solve than they will have by staying at 20. Do you have problems? You're not alone because everybody does. It is the handling of problems, not the having of problems, that will determine your place in this life. Number two, every problem has a limited lifespan. You can live forever, but your problem cannot. To the believer, there is no such thing as a permanent or eternal problem. Every mountain has a peak and every valley has a slow point and every problem solver must determine how long he will allow his circumstances to keep him or her defeated. The perspective on problems to, is to look at them as decisions that you must make. And sometimes you must just choose to trust God, amen? The right decisive action will shorten the lifespan of the problem. Number three, every problem holds possibilities. The extermination business has turned the pest problem into a multi-million dollar industry. Can the Orkin man say amen? Look at what air conditioning businesses have done with the heat problem. You can start a thriving business by learning how to solve a problem. So get off your bed of self-pity. Your problem could be a gold mine. You are not a problem haver, but a problem solver. Remember, your problems are actually opportunities to make a decision. Be decisive and stick to your decisions. Number four, every problem has a positive and a negative reaction. Choose the reaction that will help you make, make, choose the reaction that will help make you most proud of yourself as an honest child of God. Control your temper and use your anger creatively rather than destructively. Remember that a problem is a decision you must make. Never allow a problem to decide for you. Make your problems react to you instead of you reacting to them. Number five, you can choose what your problem will do to you. Make you better or bitter. You may not be able to control the misfortune, but you can control your response. You can turn your pain into poetry or profanity. You can become bitter or better or have scars or stars. And finally, number six, every problem will reveal your level of maturity. Israel's selfish immaturity was revealed every time they saw difficulty in the wilderness. This caused them to be separated from the blessings of God. It is evident 
that when God has given us a promise to deliver us out of problem, we must never stoop to immaturity and self-pity. Never blame God for your problems, but give him the glory for the solutions. Don't use a problem as an excuse for behavior, for in doing so you are reinforcing your lack of leadership and control. He who excuses himself actually abuses himself by never growing up. Problems do not cause immaturity, but they reveal it. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able to handle, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians ten, thirteen. If you like a copy of that, I've got several up here. In conclusion... While I'm trying to be creative with this title, you know, 2010, Living Beyond the Norm, it's simply for the sake of memory, not for the sake of hype. Don't be fooled. 2010 will have more challenges than 2009 had. It may not be easy, but the same faith, hope, and love that carried us through last year, the same weapons that gave us a victory in the last battle, will work in this one. The false and grandiose predictions of some so-called national prophets that did not come to pass last year won't come to pass this year either. How I wish those guys would stop praying on the gullible. Let's go for it and have more than just a happy new year as we move forward with 2010 vision above the mediocre into the norm, into the beyond the norm. Amen. Wow. I resolve to be a better speaker than I am a writer. Let's stand. Yes. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. I pray that the Lord gives his guardian angels charge over you every day this year. May he preserve you and protect you and give you wisdom. May he bless the work of your hands, your finances, most of all, your ministry to one another, to him and to those who do not yet know him. May this be a year of overcoming. That as you faith it till you make it, may your trust in him pay off in Jesus' name. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord Yahweh Jehovah himself lift up his countenance upon you and give you his surpassing peace beyond the level of our understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.